This podcast is not meant to be informative or educational and has the potential to be completely irrelevant. This is Property Jam. And welcome to this week's episode of Property Jam, where we talk about everything on the human side of property. And this week, we have another lovely human with us. Uh, We've got the lovely Linda Clark joining us this week as our guest on Property Jam. So I'm just going to hand straight over to you, Linda, to introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, what you're all about, and uh, how you ended up on Property Jam. Fantastic. Well, hello. Welcome, everybody. Uh, My name is, uh, as Neil said, Linda Clark. I'm the editor of First Time Buyer magazine and have been for about 12 years. Um, It's a fantastic job, an amazing publication because it's really there to help guide and inform first time buyers as they approach getting onto the property ladder, which can be really complicated, uh, a bit of a maze. So we are there to, you know, give them as much information that they need so that when they actually start that search, they've got a little bit more than just looking online and getting very confused. Um, And we also have um, shows that we put on. Well, we haven't actually because of the ghastly old pandemic, but um, we're planning uh, next year to start our shows again, which are live shows, one day shows, where people can come and talk to developers, housing associations, legal, financial, on a one-to-one basis and get a real feel for what is out there and what they need to do. Uh, So we've got one in London, one in Manchester and um, the middle bit of that week. So we've got one on the 19th of March in London, one on the 26th of March in Manchester. And that week is our national home buying week that we created last year. And we have a dedicated website so people can go on there. Um, Our little brand, which I'm very proud of, and our art director came up with the idea. We've got a little stick man. A little man. We've got videos of, of Sticky doing all his bits, going and buying on the open market through shared ownership. Blah blah blah. There's a lot of stuff there that is quite fun, but obviously Stickman brings it all to life. Mm. <laughs> I want to meet Stickman. Yeah, it sounds cool. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, so that's pretty much what we do. Um, yeah, I mean, first time buyer is absolutely in my dna i can't even why why is it like i'm fascinated what where did that sort of passion come from it's very very strange because i started life um as an indentured reporter on the local newspaper learning how to to do what we do as a journalist and then i ended up because i needed a bit more money they didn't pay too well especially in my day it was a long time ago uh, I got a job um, on Women's Weekly magazine um, in the fashion department, which was great. And I ended up as fashion editor. And I spent 13 years doing the most amazing job. Um, there was a lot of money around in those days. So we were flying models to fantastic locations to do photo shoots. And we, I went to Paris, I went to Milan, blah, blah, blah. As I got older, I realised that this was a young girl's game and I was just not enjoying it. So I moved more into interiors and that then consequently led more into property. And 
I did have my own magazine for five years called Spaces, which was for people that were obviously passionate about architecture and um, design particularly. It was very wild, it was very wacky. Uh, it was a bit too much ahead of the game. It was like wallpaper magazine, but even more crazy. <laughs> um, so that went on for five years. We did really well all around the world. England was a bit dodgy because we hadn't quite got it. <laughs> and then when I, when I sold that, I sold the title eventually. Um, I was like, what do I do now? I hadn't actually worked for anybody for a long time. And then there was this job came up. Um, so I joined First Time Buyer uh, that had one issue, the first issue, and uh, I don't know, I just walked in and I just felt it. And I think it's the same as when you go in to view a property, you get it, mm. either get it or you don't. Mm. And somehow I got it and I just literally immersed myself because I didn't really know a lot about all the different government schemes in those days and all the bits that go on with buying a property because I you know when I bought my property it was a long time ago so I hadn't actually um really done it in in the last few years so you know I just kind of got it and just really now I I just want everybody to get that opportunity to buy their first home so our slogan is you can buy your first home even oh. though there's a million reasons why it is so hard but we have a very positive outlook and I even through the worst dark days of the of the covid awful days I really woke up every morning thinking it's okay we've just got to battle on and help as many people as we possibly can so yeah that's kind of I don't know. It's just there. It's there. It's in your the blood. <laughs> yeah, I really love the passion that you're bringing to it. That's amazing. Yeah. And do you like keep a record of how many first timers you've uh, helped? So anyway, I've... oh, I wouldn't even like because I often um, you don't really know at the end of the day. I've had great relationships with all the developers, the housing associations, and people around those those guys, uh, but they don't sort of say, "Oh, Linda, we just sold," you know dirty homes off the back of something that I did unfortunately you don't get that feedback but I suppose bottom line um these guys wouldn't keep coming back to me for advertising and editorial if it wasn't working so hopefully do help a lot of people and you know okay. it's great when I actually meet a first-time buyer um, and they tell me their story because that's kind of what makes it all the more special Okay, so I'm sort of seeing where you fit into the larger property puzzle. So you'll have a, a developer who will have produced some form of units and they approach you and say, effectively, will you pitch this market, this using the magazine um, and, yeah, provide as it also, I guess, tap into that knowledge base of support that comes with it. And then you're kind of brokering that connection, aren't you? And, and right, I see. Okay. So it's predominantly new builds and developments, I'm guessing, is where you would sort of niche or? Yeah, well, we are all over the country. We don't really go into Scotland because the rules are so different in Scotland, yes. as you probably yeah. know. Um, but to be honest with you, um, it's really tricky because that nowadays to actually 
save enough money to buy on the open market is pretty impossible unless you've got banker mum and dad or you've been left some sort of you've won the lottery or your grand has left you some money you know so most people these days are taking uh, the government schemes help to buy which is coming to an end shared ownership is becoming super popular which is part buy part rent hmm. um and that really that is only new builds although you can buy older properties with shared ownership but they're not like buying on the open market so sadly we don't really do much on the open market because the deposits are so vast mm. Mm. so do you see then that a lot of people who are now first-time buyers are a lot older than they would have been before uh, like yeah. maybe towards their 30s as opposed to their mid-20s mm. it's very much a north-south-ish divide mm. so People in London and the Southeast tend to be older because mm. the prices are so much higher in, yeah. in London and obviously around, you know, the M25. Mm -hmm. um, the property world is booming in the Northeast and the Northwest. And we have a very, a very, very strong connection with the, with the guys up there. Um, and property prices are really relatively quite high but they're nothing like what we see down in the South. Um, so there are a younger audience up there, I think, that are getting on the ladder. And it, I love it when I get a case study of somebody who's 23 and has managed to do it. But, yeah. you know, the average age is certainly much, much older than that. But, I mean, I'm talking 30s. I'm not talking 50s, yeah. 60s. I mean, you do get the odd person, fabulous, in their oh. 60s decides that I really want to own my own home and they do it and I love that as well it's a nice it's a, it's a very um important rite of passage in this country isn't it it's a fascinating thing because you go to other places in Europe like Germany for example where they're at that aspiration to own actually in the main is not one of life's goals it's this it's a very strong rental culture and so yeah, it's really different here. Um, it, it's, it's like that in a lot of places, Australia, New Zealand, America. I think there's still that massive sort of aspirational, I must be the king or queen of my castle vibe. But in a lot of places in Europe, it's not like that. We're quite an anomaly, aren't we? You know, I've always wondered, and this is a really weird thought, but you know, when you're 18 or 21, they traditionally used to give you a little charm or something to put on your around your neck, especially with girls of a key of a key. Mm. Now, was that the key of the door? I don't never really understood why you got a key. I think it was either the key to life or the key to the, to the door of the home that you're eventually gonna buy. Yeah. It's fascinated me why a key became so important when you got to that age, that milestone. Yeah, it was, it's 21, isn't it, key in the it door? 21, yeah. yeah, 21's key in the door, yeah. yeah. At that point, are you mature enough to have the key for your own house? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but, you know, it, it's very strange because um, we have got this massive thing that as soon as a person gets to a certain age, the heat is on. You've got to, you know, you've got to move out. You've got to go and get your own place. You've got a home sweet home. You've got to have that moment. Obviously, I've got friends who live in Europe and, and they haven't got any aspiration at all. They're very happy in their lovely apartments. Maybe their rents are different to what we pay over here. I don't know. I think their rental rules are quite different. Uh, we, we had a guest on the podcast uh, a few weeks ago from Sweden. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of reasons why 
you should not, or well, you can't invest in Sweden. You know, it's pretty much as a, as a rental market. And the rental market is controlled by the government. And therefore, the, the people that own the properties are essentially the developers, the large corporations. Um, so but when they look to invest, to create uh, well, investment properties, they, they invest outside. So they like the UK for the way that it is easier to, to yeah. invest. That's interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, so I don't know. We are we are an island. We are English. Yeah. We're <laughs> British, rather. I don't know, yeah. but we do have this aspiration to uh, to go and buy our home and be very, you know, our space. <laughs> yeah. So a question we we ask every one of our guests when they come on, and they say, "What does the human side of property mean to you?" The human side of property is is that. This is going to be the biggest thing that you are ever going to buy in your entire life. And as I've said, when I was explaining about why I feel that first time buyer and property is in my DNA, you have to have that gut feeling. And that is a very human feeling. You have to know that you just feel it somehow in the pit of your stomach that I actually really want this and I will move heaven and earth. Um, and I think that the human side is really also that when you're buying a property, you do need a lot of help and support. And I think people should remember that, that they don't just give you a load of legal jargon and expect you to understand it. I hope and I really do hope that people that are talking to first time buyers, particularly um, give them simple guide guidance and also simple information that they can process without being totally confused but it's definitely that gut feeling that you get um, and there's also a gut feeling that you get when you get to the point where you want to buy your own home you're probably very happy sh flat sharing up to a certain point of course since we've had again this awful situation in the world people have been sharing and they've thought actually I can't do this I love my flatmates, but actually 24 seven with them doesn't work. So we have noticed that a lot of people have now decided that this is the time they have to actually make the move. So um, it, it, that, that is very, very, I mean, the, there's been lots of reasons why the property market has been very buoyant. And one of them is that people wanna get out of flat sharing or living at home with mum and dad. Fine to visit on a Sunday for lunch, maybe not, permanently you know <laughs> hard work um, and I think also the fact that some people that have been in flats uh, with no outside space have found it really taxing yeah and so a lot of people now are thinking I even if it's just a little balcony where you can sit outside and have your coffee or your afternoon whatever um, I think that people have really found that they need this space very much so yeah, out, out space, as I, as I call it. Um, <laughs> yes, it's in space and out space. So, yeah, it has been a massive impact. And yeah, yeah, one thing we do, you, funnily, you mentioned uh, flat shares. You know, we, uh, myself and Niall, own business together, and we create really nice shared houses. Uh, that's one of, our, one of our strategies as investors. And um, one thing that we have seen is more of a want for, for the outside space. Um, in, in those style of properties. So, yeah, we're seeing it across the UK. And I think I think it's just in the prices as well so if your property's got a garden 
Um, I know one uh, friend of mine who literally wasn't planning to sell, just sold because she had a large garden and she managed to get a, a large premium. It wouldn't be a first time home, but um, yeah, definitely seeing that in all parts of the market. 100%. Actually, this is quite a funny story. I, we have a celebrity, a, a celebrity that is attached to something to do with property or interiors or cooking or something to do with the home on our cover and we do a big interview inside it sort of lightens the load of all the very heavy duty information and mortgage stuff which is quite hard work and I recently interviewed Henry Holland who you probably may know as a, a fashion designer but he's now gone into designing interiors uh, accessories lovely stuff and I had this amazing chat with him and he just recently moved and it was nothing to do with him or his partner it was to do with the dog. So the dog <laughs> walked in and they knew immediately the dog wanted to live there. And I thought maybe, maybe that's quite a good idea. You take, even if you haven't got a dog, you borrow one and just- Yes. <laughs> just the canine side of property. <laughs> the canine side, yeah. Yeah, if the dogs get good vibe, that's it, isn't it? You know, like, yeah, because they can detect stuff like, you know, life, death, good houses, like illness, good vibes, <laughs> good vibes generally. So, yeah. <laughs> that's got a good little strategy. Yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting, actually, because um, in the main, you know, with, our, with the podcast, we tend to have people who are sort of, in one way or another, more involved on the, I guess, the investment side than the domestic side. Um, but, you know... At the same time, so many people in property do have that end user yes. in mind. And so I guess it would be really interesting to get your take on, yeah, what do you think are the key desirable elements at the moment in the market beyond just outside space? Because obviously mm. that is, you know, of high priority now. Have you seen anything else shift? Well, I think I think it's really the matter of, wanting space and having storage storage in apartments so I think that the developers now are you know you've got to have somewhere to put your suitcase your hoover your ironing yes I mean just simple stuff that you don't want out you want it in, behind doors somewhere in a cupboard yeah. yeah so a few developments that I've recently seen have had a lot more thought with that sort of storage in mind and thank gosh because you know, they've a lot of them now put washing machine and tumble dryer into a cupboard in the hallway, which mm. leaves space in the kitchen, mm -hmm. so that you've got a decent amount of area in the kitchen. Yeah. So that's quite a good idea. But some developers are really hot on storage, and I think that's really important because I always imagine myself. I think mm. you know, it's all very well, but you've got to put stuff somewhere. We've all got stuff, haven't we? Exactly. Yeah, and especially in a lot of new newer build apartments, like there is literally no storage for anything. No, no. They, they do the bare minimum standards, and that's it. Yeah. yeah, and I think also, um, I mean, I'm not really hot on actually anything and all to do with sustainability, but I think that's really important. Yeah. You know, the sustainability of a home now is got to tick a certain amount of boxes. Um, I know they're going to phase out gas boilers. Yeah. I think that a lot of the developers now are looking to try and build sustainable developments that actually will save the people that live there money they'll save the environment and ultimately ultimately hopefully 
you know, save the world. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, it's quite important, really, that that is something that we think about. But also, I think it's something that the that buyers are getting more savvy about. And it's certainly something I've experienced just in my own personal selection criteria for things now. So, for example, you know, I'm always considering my carbon footprint now with, with things like waste. So I have a, you know, coffee machine and I had to switch from those capsules that were just, you know, non-recyclable to, to compost uh, safe ones. And also things like utility bills, whereas before we would just go with the cheapest provider. Now we're saying how great green is that energy provider and all of these elements are coming into kind of consumer decision making and of course buying a property is no different from that um yeah so true and I think actually that it is becoming more in our psyche now that we do what you've done is try and just make small little changes in our lifestyle which will ultimately help I mean I, I I personally have so many different places for bottles and plastic and did it you know you get slightly confused you're like oh my gosh which one does that one go into it yeah. does really help you well, know yeah really it's, it's interesting as i had this conversation with my mum over sunday roast on uh, a couple of days ago and uh yeah. you know, just, i just said in passing you know it's about the time they made non-recyclable packaging um illegal yeah yes. yeah like seriously there are people moving to it you, you can get the option for the recyclable coffee pod or you can get the non-recyclable coffee pod and i think more consumers are, are shifting as you say um but um yeah i think the government could very easily legislate uh, and say what well, in two years time, like they are with the cars and phasing out the cars and the boilers um, yeah. and the fact that all new builds now have to have electric charging points for cars all of that you know that that is something which uh yeah they could very easily legislate and, and um, probably yes. gain, gain a lot of favor as well it does slightly worry me about the electric charging points because I can't imagine in a road. I mean, I live in a, in a cul-de-sac and if I had an electric car, I'd have to pay to have a charging point because there obviously isn't one. I don't want to go and sit in Tesco's car park, <laughs> you know, which is where there is one. That's the nearest yeah. one. Can't think of anything more grim. Oh, all of that's <laughs> all of that's going to happen, isn't it? This is this is the way the world is evolving, isn't it? I think it will become such commonplace for people to just have that as part yeah. of their domestic residence. Yeah. Well, they have to build build it in and design it, so it's it's retrofitting, yeah. which is the problem. It's yes. the new ones that that have them in already, and that parking is probably off road. Yeah. 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 I do know that a lot of first time buyers actually don't have a car. Because if you live if you live in a city, you don't really need a car if you've got really good transport. Preach, sister. I live in London. Yeah. Yeah, and they're they're, they're kind of discouraging it as well in the sense because I, I live in an apartment building and there are about three hundred flats here. Yeah. Um, but there are twenty, maybe thirty parking spaces for three hundred flats. So they really don't want people coming in that have cars. So, um, so you 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 have to you know choose not to have a car even. But we are, like you say, we are very close to train stations and public transport. So it's yeah. just having that balance. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Totally. It is an important thing to think about. And also, with, with a, particularly with a first time buyer, that's where they're going to save money. Yes. Running a car is super expensive. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Very true. Running a car, but also providing really good bike storage because that would be an, another alternative. Which again, you know, right across the country, the government has that agenda, doesn't it, to just increase uh, cycling um, as a national activity to reduce our carbon footprint. So, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Um, I believe you may have come armed with a question for us. Yes. yes. <laughs> my, my question is. <laughs> 
if you could go back in time, what advice would you give yourself as a first time buyer? Oh my God. <laughs> I've had variations on this before. Yeah. However, interestingly enough, uh, both Niall and myself don't own our own homes. Right. Okay. Yeah. In fact, fact, Joe, you're in that same position now. You, you weren't, but you are. Yeah, it's really so, interesting, isn't it? Like we we've all just sort of changed because people assume that because you're in property that you're in your own place, but actually the, this kind of weird sick irony is is when you get into property, eventually you're in the entrepreneurial space, which makes getting a residential mortgage like almost twice as hard as if you're in a PAYE, <laughs> right? So you get all this freedom, but it actually denies your ability to get on the house housing ladder as easily. That wasn't my situation, but certainly it has been for. Uh, mortgaging is like a two-year art form yeah um, so both Nile and myself are now looking at getting our residentials in the kind of first half of next year um, and in order to do that we've had to do a lot of moving of things around to basically look like we're supposed to look as easy as possible for a mortgage company to say yes and I know it's a huge issue for the self-employed um, to, you know, to to get mortgages um, especially like and for us but for me especially when I was when I turned 30, my goal was to buy my own house and all of this. And then when I kind of stumbled into property investing, it became it went way down the list because oh, I can go I can go and buy a whole bunch of houses up north for the same for um, a smaller amount of money, uh, money that I can actually get or I could raise or joint venture um, with with family and friends um, and build up an income first, and then and then kind of almost leverage that to get get my own mortgage which um you know six years later is, is what, what what i'm now doing yeah for me um getting a residential mortgage has never really been high on my priority list um yeah. even be, even before i got into property investing it was never really high up on the list um i, I move around a lot um so i like to have lived in various different countries and different cities even in, within the uk um, so I always considered having a residential mortgage would be quite limiting um, in where I could live and what I could yes. do. Yes. Um, and for the past maybe what, 13 years or so, I've been living in London um, and where the prices before I got into property, um, prices were so high that I couldn't imagine how I could, as a first time buyer at that point, even consider buying a place. Um, yes. Then when I got into property, it was just like Matt said, it was a, a matter of creating an income generating portfolio first yes. um, that could sustain my lifestyle. And then if I chose to, I could then get a residential mortgage, which we are looking at doing, as Matt said, towards the end of this year. Well, this is the end of this year, yes. <laughs> beginning, yes. of, beginning of next year. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's never really been high on my priority list, but it's something you I sort of did everything slightly back to front, didn't you then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of what we do. It's kind of what we do. It's what happens when you sort of meet sort of other sort of of more kind of um, what's the word? Not not creatives, but I guess people within that entrepreneurial space often find themselves in this situation. And yeah, so for me, it was it was slightly different. So I as a first time buyer, um, I played the game because I had to. I meant staying in employment for a little bit longer so we could get the evidence that we needed in order to get the residential mortgage. I actually bought somewhere somewhere with an investor head on in southwest London um, and and have just sold it. But if I could go back and give advice to me all over again, I think I would sort of worry less 
like just stop worrying because I think what you when you go for your first ever mortgage on the residential side it's such a forensic experience isn't it because they literally grill every single element of your life financially your whole life is audited and I think there's this whole thing that you're going to do something wrong, that you're going to get it wrong, that you're going to make a mistake, that you're not good enough, that you're not eligible. And you sort of carry that as a human being. But actually, it's bullshit because all you're doing, if you kind of come at it with a, a like a chess game, they make their move, you make yours. As long as you're always one step ahead, you're fine. So. For example, my partner, my ex-partner, he was between jobs at the time. And what we needed was an evidence of three pay slips in order to get the mortgage, right? But we ended up going with a mortgage provider who only wanted one. And that meant shopping around ahead of time because we knew where we found the flat. We knew exactly what his circumstances were. So actually, we had to be really clever and selective about which lender we went with and that our broker would understand, you know, that we only had limited evidence to offer. And then after that, it was a lot of bluffing and playing the game and we had to extend a lease and it was like trying to get the vendor on side. And yeah, it was just but if back then I remember wanting to tear my hair out. But now looking back at it. I just needed to be more relaxed because I probably was coming across super crazy and intense, which is probably going to freak any mortgage broker out, right? Like, <laughs> it's <laughs> mental. <laughs> yeah. It's a very, very tough thing with the mortgage market. And I think one, one of the things that we push a lot is the fact that people have to be very aware of their credit rating, which mm-hmm. goes completely... No, people don't even understand what a credit rating is. Yes. Have absolutely no idea and they think oh I won't have a credit card actually if you've got a credit card that's in your favor 100% as you evidence evidence that you are you know able to you use your credit cards properly pay it off sensibly they can see that you pay your bills basically yes. but I think that's probably quite another very British thing is not owing people money or not having credit you know the yeah. people don't necessarily want to owe money on a credit card and the, there's this perception that it's a bad thing whereas actually like you said it's actually a really positive thing for your credit file for your credit uh, rating yeah it's very hard to change people's perception mm. and, and a lot of people aren't on the electoral roll oh god breach <laughs> yes if you sort of move around a bit or you're still registered at your mum's address and you haven't you haven't really lived there for a bit but you, so I, I still get posts from my for my sons and I mean they left home years ago <laughs> so I might want to get on there really, I perhaps they think I'm going to pay the bills I don't know mm. <laughs> maybe hoping so <laughs> but you know it's very difficult and people don't and they, if you're not on the electoral roll your credit rating slips right down oh my god yeah. absolutely like I've just moved again and the same thing's happened I've had to come off or no it's I'm still with the same council, but I've had to amend my address. And when I looked at my credit score, it has to, not massively, but it's taken a wee bit of a dip. And like, for God's sake, people, like, come on. Chance. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. It seems to be very, it's very arbitrary as well, what the, the types of things they, they look for in, in a credit rating. But yeah, the worst time to um, buy a house is when you're, when you're moving. Yeah. <laughs> so, and actually, I, I, maybe this is, there's an impact here, just thinking about it out loud. Um, that you, you sell your house and then you're, you're renting and then you try and buy another house you've instant your credit score is going to be you know doing the dance so um yeah it can be quite difficult 
but also but also like your credit file is just so it's so changeable it's such a movable feast and now they've introduced this percentage utilization change on your credit score where it's actually you're now graded percentage wise as to how much credit that's available to you is being utilized so they've kind of given you the incentive to borrow with one hand but they're taking away the incentive with the other hand saying oh you're too you've borrowed too much now see so now you won't get a mortgage but if you you're not going to get a mortgage if we've got no evidence to see that you can service borrowing responsibly it's like oh my god you're definitely between a rock and a hard place whatever you like to spin you like to put on it really yeah, yeah. Totally. not many people know this you know what i mean we're not all financial advisors that have no. this no. information spinning around in our heads yes it's really i think it's really quite quite tough and even if you're not thinking of buying a property you still want your credit rating to be okay don't you you know yeah exactly people. yeah which is why you get you get you get all the so i suppose that's where your um what the stuff that you do your magazine and the shows um comes in to give that support and uh, open people's eyes so um yeah that makes makes sense and actually on the investment side we do the same like yeah. speak to people that know what they're doing and, and use experts and, and coaches to, to help on that front as well so um Absolutely. everything you said actually rings true with everything that we do as well right. especially when, especially when you were talking about um you know what uh yeah what the trends are in the market with storage and all of that you know it's yeah. the same things we're hearing Yes. In, in a rental market especially Absolutely. in hmos and shared shared living you know just the, the more you can give the more space you can give um you know the better an investment is um whether i suppose from the developer's perspective but when you're buying as well you know, you're thinking future sale value of anything that is you buy as your home yeah. yeah you're right it just makes complete sense yeah definitely so I believe you've come prepared with a question for us as well. Oh, no, we've we done that. What am I talking about? <laughs> Are you delusional? We should just tell listeners um, that Matt no, is slightly good. unwell today. He's got uh, he's got the lurgy. We don't know what he's got. It's not COVID, he assures us, but you're feeling a bit picky, no. aren't you, love? Yeah, man, I've just proven it. <laughs> man flu, I think. That's man flu. Yeah, we know that well. We know that well. Right, so Niall, I think is it over to you for a bit of episode roulette, babe? It is indeed. So just uh, just for your reference, Linda, and any new listeners we've got, uh, this is um, episode roulette where I'm going to scroll through all of our previous episodes. Yeah. Um, you shout stop at any point, and then uh, you would give us your view, your human view on that particular topic. Could be yeah. anything from licensing to tenant well tenant stories might not be really relevant but hopefully we won't land on that one. <laughs> <laughs> or licensing for that matter or, that or might not be. <laughs> yeah. you could maybe maybe we can turn change tenant to first time buyers yeah sometimes. that's it that's it <laughs> like your worst case game show on tv <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're probably the worst host you'll ever have as yeah well, exactly <laughs> <laughs> okay so i am scrolling stop Oh, it kind of rolls quite nicely into what we were just talking about. Money. Oh. Money. Yeah. Money, money, money. Yeah. What's the first time buy a magazine spin on money? (laughs) With money, uh, I think probably the most important pot of money that you'll ever have is your deposit. Obviously, you can't buy anywhere if you haven't got a deposit. And it is tough, tough, tough to get actually money to save um and i know you guys obviously are property developers and you rent out um places but you know rents are super high yes and uh 
it breaks my heart when I hear people say that they're renting a place and the landlord doesn't care and you know they're having to spend a lot of time effort and probably bits of their own money to prop up what the landlord's not doing yeah so um if you bear in mind that you're paying a lot of rent where and you've still got to live it's all very well saying go without but you can't go without you've still got to live you've still got to eat food you've still got to pay for your transport you've still got to have maybe one night out occasionally with your mates uh but it is really hard to actually save a decent amount every month from what and you know people's earnings etc and not unless you are very good and you've got a fantastic job and you earn mega bucks um so i think that is the biggest stumbling block and saying to people we do say you know make your coffee in a flask don't go and buy it from an expensive coffee shop but you know it, it it's not going to change your world but every penny counts yeah. so you can save two pounds here three pounds there that's great so i think that's really important and i would also say about money is when you are looking for a mortgage don't just go to your local yeah. bank or the bank man that you bank with have a look around, probably go to an independent financial advisor who can scroll the entire market. Yeah. They will find the best deal for you, which may not suit Jim, but it will suit Jack. Yes. And that really will save you, number one, a lot of money and a lot of time and effort and stress. Yeah. Because you know that that person knows the, knows the market and they will give you a proper, proper decision about what you can afford, um, and they will be honest and say, no, you're looking too high. Because if you start looking for a property for 500,000, thinking, oh, but I can afford that. And actually, in reality, you can't. That's quite a big, big problem because you need to get that actually in your head. Mm -hmm. you start looking lower down the chain here. So I think those two aspects of money would be the things that I would be. That That's the biggest thing that actually any first time buyer or anybody a second stepper even or a third stepper those are the things i would say was important yeah 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 that's yeah. very good point and it's, it, like joe mentioned earlier it's, it's exactly the same when we were uh, looking for investment mortgages or investment properties you know we, we go to professionals we don't just try and do it ourselves no. first of all the, the amount of time that it takes is just it's it's unbelievable yeah yeah you know they, use your time wisely it, it's, a, it's a very difficult process of buying your property so make it as easy as possible and yeah. meet with people that have experience absolutely it's like anything if you if you don't feel well you can't diagnose you well we all have a bit of self-diagnosis but you go to a doctor right an expert and will give you the right pill or medicine to make you better so it's a similar thing. If you go, if you want to buy a home and you want to get a mortgage, go to an expert who will give you the right mortgage to make it work, sort of yeah. thing. That's and also, everyone's working. You know, you've probably got parents. You know, like people who've got life commitments. And the idea of shopping around a more a market that you just don't understand is just ludicrous when you put it in those terms, isn't it? You don't have the time or the understanding. So why would you even bother? And people get so stuck, don't they? Particularly on the residential side about paying a broker. I'm like, I'll just pay a broker. Like, yeah, what's yeah. what's three or four hundred quid extra? Like, seriously, just yeah. you, you're about to spend thousands. Like, suck it up. It's worth it. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True, Joe. So true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I am scrolling again for one more. 
Stop. Oh, this is quite relevant as well, I guess, for first-time yeah. buyers. Episode yeah. 25, fear. Oh, fear. Yeah. yeah, so what is the biggest fear that you see with first-time buyers? Oh, gosh, that's quite a tough one. Mm. Um, so I think probably a fear of the unknown and a mm. fear of making a massive mistake. Yes. Because this is your life savings, your future, um, you know, it is your home. You don't really want to be homeless if it, if it all goes completely wrong, because it is quite a catch-22 again. You know, if you're living in a flat and you think you're going to buy a home and you've got that kind of, you've got to give your landlord notice and then it doesn't go through and it's all right, what, what do you do? So there's mm. a fear of that gap. Yeah. If something falls down when, if, when you're buying and that date doesn't work, which it often doesn't, your landlord's not gonna say, oh, it's all right, you stay a couple more weeks, that's fine. They're gonna say, no, we've got somebody moving in on Friday, so I'm afraid you're out the door. So that is a big fear, I would have thought, for anybody that was going through that process of coming out of rented and going into a, a new home, which doesn't quite, you know, the dates don't quite match up because especially with a new build, you know, things do go wrong. Um, yeah. they, they don't always go wrong, but there's always slightly delay maybe, or um, the pandemic hasn't quite got it you know, got all the paperwork that they need, you know, there's an awful lot of stuff. So I think that would be my, my, my thing that they would fear. Um, I think there's an awful lot of excitement as well, because, but sometimes excitement can turn into fear. Quite mm. well. And yeah. I can't quite explain that, but it's a funny feeling. Excitement can suddenly make you feel quite panicky. No, it's weird. It's like public speaking. Sometimes people confuse fear for excitement or excitement for fear. So, you know, you're about to go on that main stage and, you know, in front of like a group of people and you've just got all the same symptoms because the symptoms of fear and excitement are actually quite similar. Racing hearts, can't focus, dry mouth. And you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, which is this? It's actually a really good piece of advice to first time buyers. It's like, are you actually scared or are you actually just pumped? Because this is going to be amazing. You know, like reframe it. I'm glad you saw that joke because I thought, oh, they all think I'm mad. But that is no, so not at all. Yeah. So yeah, in, a, in a previous life, I was a musician, so um, kind of knowing that feeling, um, yeah. just reframing it. Some people call it stage fright. Other people yeah. go, "Yeah, I'm ready," and uh, yeah. But obviously, that comes with a bit more a bit of experience. So yeah, how would you do that for the first time? And it was the same when I bought my first property, and the same when we all bought our first properties, even though they were investment properties. Exactly that same feeling of someone says, "Oh, you've just exchanged contracts." Like, uh, <laughs> you what now? What happened? <laughs> I didn't go anywhere. I didn't do anything. <laughs> Hang on, your solicitors were, and that, okay. So what do you mean? We just exchanged contracts. Um, so it's that kind of oddity um, of the market. But um, yeah, yeah. Well, but, uh, I, I think that everybody experiences the, the, the fear of of all sorts of things in the world. But when you are investing your whole life into something, that is pretty serious. It's massive, especially if it's like money that you've inherited because there's an emotional attachment to that money or you've saved it. You've put emotional investment into that money and now you're about to put it in something and it's like, ah! <laughs> yeah, you can go from having loads of money in your bank to having no money in your bank. <laughs> I remember that. It took me years to put that money in there. <laughs> 
gone like that. Yeah. <laughs> one click and it's one done. One click, yeah. <laughs> you know, whenever I make a large transaction, generally go to going to the bank just to make it feel a little bit more real. And <laughs> yeah. then somebody, uh, somebody's okayed it. There's a person there that's actually done it on my behalf. They put the numbers in. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah. Kind of make um, occasion of it, don't you? Yes, yes right. exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, uh, I just want to say thank you very much, Linda, for joining us. We have run out of time for today. Uh, if people would like to get in touch with you for any, any first-time buyers uh, or the like listening, how do they get in touch? Uh, so you can email me, which is Linda, and my Linda is spelled L-Y-N-D-A at firsttimebuyermag, all written out. Co.uk. Um, the magazine is uh, available in WH Smiths. Uh, so that if you can't find it or you would like to get a copy, I'd be very happy to send you one just to give you a taste of what it's all about. So just email me uh, with your details or any questions and um, we'll go from there. Lovely. Yeah. You've also got your shows in March as well in London and Manchester. So uh, it sounds like a, a really great place for any first time buyers to um, get over that fear. Mm. Uh, upskill not and yeah, get that knowledge so um yeah thank you very much so okay. in the true uh property jam fashion it's a goodbye from me it's a goodbye from me it's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from me thank you hey <laughs>